0: Listening to the Andy Greenwald podcast. Hello, my name is Andy Greenwald. This is my podcast, now part of the Ringer Podcast Network and exclusively the Channel 33 podcast feed. To hear it, I mean, you're hearing it now, so you've done pretty well already. But I encourage you to subscribe to Channel 33. You get all sorts of great podcasts. You get this one. You get The Watch with me and Chris Ryan. You get Chris and Juliet doing Sources Say. Now you get my current favorite podcast, uh, The Political Podcast, Keeping It 1600, with Dan Pfeiffer and John Favreau, all on Channel 33. Go to iTunes.com slash Channel 33 or SoundCloud.com slash Channel 33. You can even find it on Stitcher. I highly recommend subscribing. Uh, You can also go to TheRinger.com and subscribe to the newsletter. We get all sorts of fun written content in your inbox every week. Today's interview was with Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell is one of those actors that if you mention him to certain people, their eyes light up. Like he is some people's absolute favorite actor, even though other people might not even be able to name five movies that he's been in. I'm in the category where I love him every time he's on the screen, uh, whether it's in Matchstick Men or Moon or The Assassination of Jesse James he, he completely lights up the screen and, and just transforms the movie. He changes the oxygen and the gravity of the whole thing. Um, I had met him once before when he was doing a junket for Seven Psychopaths with Christopher Walken, and I just thought he was a really fun guy and it turned out in person uh, one-on-one. He's uh, both fun and extremely thoughtful. I thought this was a really great conversation. We were talking specifically about his new movie, which is out April 8th, called Mr. Right, which is a hitman rom-com uh, with, with Anna Kendrick, written by Max Landis and directed by Paco Cabezas. I say hitman rom-com as if that's a thing, and it is because, as Sam mentioned, um, this movie was walking in the footsteps of Gross Point Blank, which was, uh, I guess, the uh, originator of the form. But the conversation went all over the place from um, his experience working on Westerns to um, working on Iron Man 2 and why he likes those sorts of movies to working with Joe Swanberg on Digging for Fire, a movie I really loved in 2015. Um, really interesting to talk to Sam about his process and uh, the way he sort of takes creativity and anarchy and professionalizes it and gives it some structure and um, how that is what allows him to be so um, unexpected in his performance choices. He also told a story that he had never told before that involves Brad Pitt and a baby. So I definitely think you should listen through to that. Um, We'll get right back into it. Um, You can, again, Channel 33 on iTunes and SoundCloud. And thanks, as always, to the amazing Scottish band Churches, Churches with a V, for my theme music. Let's get into my conversation with Sam Rockwell. Because these things sometimes i wish there was a service where you could like arrange conversations with yeah. actors and directors during the off cycle because then like their their thought bags are full and you can gently massage them and things will come out yeah but yeah. there's a but then you wouldn't really want to do that in your free time well there
1: there yeah there is no free time i mean it's kind of uh yeah
0: you mean break it up so to speak Right, because right now, you know, we're going to talk about. We, I think, we've started. By the way, just as oh, a we've heads-up. started, but good. We're, we're going to talk about Mr. Wright, which is your new film. Yes, um, yes, yeah, out in theaters and on some on-demand platforms. I believe Friday, April eighth. Yes, um, I think
1: that's this Friday. That's right? That's this Friday. Yeah.
0: Um, so we are going to talk about that, but in but in general, right? Like the idea that maybe we I could catch you in a moment when you're not. Yes. You know, full of these thoughts, specifically on the one project, you're just yeah. full of the, yeah. the thoughts of the world that might pass through your head, and I can absolutely. I mean, they, those.
1: they, you know, they schedule these things in a very short amount of time, and they, they, they press it all in, and, and uh, there's always like a premiere, yeah, and uh, a party, and then there's the next day you have to get up at the crack of ass, and
0: see go. that part's not fair. You should you've earned a party. It doesn't. Yeah, it
1: doesn't really make sense. No. But it's about scheduling and getting, you know... Well, maximizing your up. time while they have you. Yes, Before yes. you
0: disappear into the ether or to yes, other so projects. Yes, we, we have Anna, for
1: Anna Kendrick for a short right. amount of time. She's going to do the MTV Awards, and so, you know...
0: Take advantage of that. We have to take advantage of that, yeah. um, And it's very generous of her to sit out in the hall and not join our interview. I thought that <laughs> yes, was- <laughs> she's been being very sweet about she's that. Being, do, you, um, do you vanish between projects? Like, when you have time for yourself, do you like to go... I don't vanish enough, probably. <laughs> I, I probably should vanish more, like Batman. I should. I should get out. Yeah. Well, Batman's kind of having a rough, rough couple months. I mean, he's he's really taking it on the chin. Maybe. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. I mean, he's he's fighting Superman, right? Yeah. 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 I know. He's not. He's not equipped for that. <laughs> no, I don't think he is. Um, but it's funny. We, we are talking about. About press, which is everyone's favorite thing to talk about. But, yes, um, we so we actually met briefly four years ago at, yeah. during one of these things for Seven Psychopaths. Oh, cool! And, and did you? Were you in Toronto? No, so I, I, I got ten minutes of your time in one of those hotel things, which okay. are always so weird. You did a one on one? No, it was you and you and Christopher Walken. Oh, fantastic! So th- so that's actually that was amazing. That's great, that's amazing. You guys were great, and it was it was for Seven Psychopaths, so it was like late. 2012, and you guys were just locked yeah. in this hotel room together, and the energy yes. was hilarious, and you were having, seemed yes. to be having a really good time. Yes. And after I had that time talking to you guys, I, I started to pay more attention and realize that you know, you'd worked together before. You'd done the theater here. Yes, yes, that's right. You did the uh in Spokane, right? That's right, that's right. So you guys had worked together before, but I noticed that when you were both written about in reviews and things, yeah often you get the same adjectives or similar adjectives, Is that right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, you, a lot yeah. of stuff about, you know, uh, bringing a different energy, a stuff about being unexpected or surprising or quirky yeah. or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And A, I thought I was just curious that you guys were – harness together with that energy. Is that something that you recognize in him as a as a performer that you both share? And is that something you would even discuss? I, I was just curious yeah. because you're that is something that is said about you. But then here you are spending this time together. And do you feel <coughs> a commonality with him as an actor? I do. I do. That's that's well put. I, I do. And
1: I um uh he's become a friend, you know, we we talk from time to time still and and uh I've gone to his house and he's uh Made me om- an omelet. <laughs> this is- and um, he's, a, he's a lovely man and and a, obviously a hero of mine. And I've worked with, you know, some of these icons like, you know, Gene Hackman and mm-hmm. uh, Robert De Niro. I, I've done uh, readings with Al Pacino and, um, you know, you, you, you work with these guys and um, it's pretty strange, you know. And then uh, Harvey Keitel I just worked with. And, um, but... Uh, John Malkovich, you know. But, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Chris and I, I, I never spent that much time with somebody like that. Yeah. You know, I think Bradley Cooper got to become friendly with Robert De Niro because they spent a lot of time together, and I guess they're, they're, they're friendly, you know. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I can say that I'm friendly with Chris, and, and we spent a lot of time, especially doing the play together. Yeah. The play, and then the film... Seven psychopaths. But, um, yeah, Roger Ebert had said something about comparing me to to, to Chris, and then that got out on the internet or whatever. And so... But also, you know, Chris is a theater kid, and I was a Mm -hmm. theater kid, and Chris dances in a lot of his films, and I've done some dancing, and so... You do some fight dancing in this film. I do some fight dancing, and I'm also... I played villains, and and I've done, you know, uh, antiheroes, and so I've done character parts and and kind of leading men, I guess. And so, uh, yeah, it's... uh, there's some similarities, you know, and I think Chris and I both feel it's a long answer, but I, I think that, you know, when you're when you're from a sort of Bohemia background, when you do theater and you're part of that, you you see that like like, you know, the way Bob Fosse probably grew up, and I think you uh, you see things. That most children don't see, you know. So you're you're exposed to that adult life very early on. I think it it makes you a little stranger or strangest. Not it even sounds judgmental. It's, yeah. it, it makes you a little more uh, jaded, I guess, and and streetwise. So you kind of when you you're not as easily shocked
0: by stuff, I right. guess. And I, I think that Chris and I share that. You know, it came out in that room, I mean, you were spending a lot of the time trying to get him to come visit you at the Chateau Marmont because he was staying at the relatively more staid Four Seasons, I think, and he was saying he wasn't up with that crowd. But yes. he, what, what came out of that also, though, was a real sense of play. He loves the Chateau. He does? But yeah, oh, he, but he was, back in the day, yeah. I think he's being coy or maybe yeah. he was feeling a little yes. peaked that day. Yes, yes. But uh, – That there's a sense that you both were talking about acting with a real sense of play and how you enjoy rehearsal and finding things and it was very it it was nice to hear, it was exploratory. And it made me think that one of the things that I really always admire and enjoy in your performances is that there's a real palpable sense that when you get these scripts, and you've had some really good ones, and maybe ones that you feel aren't as good when you get them. Yeah. But that the the writing is not the end point. It's really the beginning. That you get the script, you learn the lines, and then you can play. Does that make sense? There's, There's always a lot going on between the words. In yeah, a, in one of your performances, which I really enjoy, and particularly th- that's there in Mister Wright as well. Thanks. Yeah, I think if if you're, I think the idea is that the text
1: is malleable and that it's it's really the clay and for you to shape, and and you're there to bring behavior and you know subtext to the to the text, and and so it's it's a, it's a kind of regard and respect for the written word but it's also a
0: disregard right you know but it's also maybe some people could look at the words and think those are the walls that you have to constrain yourself in but it feels like you look at them as like the poles holding up the circus tent like they're there and you're it's great that you're there because now you have space to play exactly but i feel like is is that a mindset that you always brought to acting or did that come from
1: i was well i was trained in improv as a kid um, and then i did meisner I did two years of Sanford Meisner training.
0: We could do Meisner right now. We could just do. Back we could and do. Forth. We could do Meisner right now. We could do repetition. 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 I love doing deep Meisner jokes. I wouldn't stretch <laughs> this, but I, some people have to listen to it. We, uh, we, you know,
1: Meisner is very improv based, and and so I think that that's, you know, the text again is is not. It's it's just there. It's a it's it's a bouncing off platform for you. And I think, yeah, I think that that kind of training makes everything very playful, hopefully,
0: you know? Yeah, but it's remarkable, you know, it's literally, these things are often called plays, teleplays, but that yeah. word is often absent, you know? And I, and I don't mean to say that because people are always constrained by the words or because act, you know, writers have power, because as a writer, I definitely don't feel that's the case. But but the sense of play you know, I, I, when, when, it, when it's called out in your performances, it's called out for being unique. And I, I, I wish that more people shared that that spirit. You know, I think that it would elevate things. Um, the spirit the audience. of... The spirit, literally the spirit of play, like finding yeah. something within these words, dancing around them, making it breathe, yeah. making the unexpected choice and committing to it.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think um, actors like Chris and, and Chris Walken do, do that. And I think that's what makes them special. You know, if you look at Biloxi Blues, if you look at the play, I've read the play... Mm-hmm a lot of exclamation points, like a typical drill sergeant, att- you know, attention, you know, and that kind of thing. And if you watch the movie, the Mike Nichols movie, Walken never yells. And so what he's right. done, he always takes the punctuation out and does whatever
0: he wants with that. And that's what makes him a genius. And, you know? and what makes him scary because it's something yes. you've never seen before. Yeah, it, you, yes, you exactly. You can't dismiss him as a cliche or as something that was expected. That's right. That's right. Um, the, the other thing, and, and we can move off the Chris Walken portion of the interview, yeah. but when I was thinking about what I liked about Seven Psychopaths, the thing that came back to me a few years later was uh, Walken's character's relationship with his wife. And he played mm. these, you know, mm. it was a very, over, you know, it's an over-the-top intentionally so film in a lot of ways, mm. but it had this very, very sweet love story Inside yeah. of it. It was a very yeah. minor part of the movie, but it, no, you're it, that, right. that stayed with me. And I was thinking about that when I watched Mr. Right, which you know, oh, for yeah. promotional purposes, we can say, is yes. out uh, April 8th. Yes. Um, which is, y- you play a great love story in this movie. Hey, thanks, man. You know, it's fun. It's uh, Yeah, it's a nutty love story. It's a nutty love story, but that has to be a delicate thing because for people who haven't seen it yet or thinking yeah. about checking it out, yeah. it, it, it again, it's an elevated world I wouldn't compare it directly to Seven Psychopaths, but it's a little bit yes. not dis- not dissimilar. It's there's, yeah. it's a world of a um, of broader characters and ideas, and there's violence. Yeah. Um, you play a, a hitman who's developing a moral conscience, who falls in love with Anna Kendrick's character, and they sort of have to f- fight through his circumstance to find true love. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I think Silver Linings Playbook
1: and I think Gross Point Blank mm-hmm. are are sort of the standards. Uh, especially Gross Point Blank was really what I was aiming to do. Uh, that was the, Romancing the Stone is another one where you get two people like that, two unlikely people. But I think um, Gross Point Blank to me was the one that really stuck out as like, okay, so this is how it was done, this this genre, yep. rom-com, action, comedy thing. It's that's the best I've seen this particular thing done with an assassin and a love story.
0: I've never really seen it done better but than it's a, that. It's a tricky maybe tight- Pritzi's honor, but you know, right? But it's a tricky tightrope to walk. Um, yeah, you know, because you, there, there's a, you know, you, you have to be able to do these extreme things. But then you don't want the emotional heart of the, of the movie to be cartoony. You want that to be the thing that keeps yeah. people grounded to some That's degree. That's right. And it can't be. It's got to be grounded. Yeah, for and, sure. And there's a moment in the movie that I think was my favorite moment where, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's not a spoiler to say that your character is roughed up and perhaps covered with blood, some of yes. which is his, and some yes. of which is, belongs to others. Yes. And he sees uh, Anna Kendrick's character for the first time after some peril. And yeah. I think the line, is, the line is, is a nothing. The line is like, hey, babe, Basically, yeah, and you deliver it in a way that completely won me over because, like, that's how you—that's what you say to someone you love when you're excited to see them, <laughs> despite the, the the mayhem. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, and, I, and you know, just purely from an acting craft perspective, yeah. How do you hold on to that? that yeah, the the you know the subway pole of, of yes. emotional truth. Sure. When you've just well, finished fighting someone, you know. Again,
1: I, I reference gro- Gross Point Blank. I think Minnie Driver and John Cusack really. Did that very well, in Alan Arkin, you mm-hmm. know, and and Joan Cusack is in that film too, and I think what's really funny is the way that, for example, um, there's a there's a moment that when John Cusack is in the middle of a battle in her house, and he's professing his love, and 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 I think um, you you also there's a, there's there's moments where with Alan Arkin where <laughs> he's talking to his therapist. Anybody who's ever done therapy, yeah. And I have, and it's and it's it's very well done. It's the best. I mean, I think that was before the Sopranos, you know. Yeah. So So um, that was the first time I'd seen that before. Analyze this, you know, where they they did that joke. Yeah. And uh, it's very funny. I mean, what and and it's very real. And and John Cusack is saying, you know, he says, "I don't think you're taking this job seriously," you know, and he's and Alan Arkin's like. I don't. I'm not. Don't, you're not hearing me. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. Yeah. I'm not going to be your therapist. You don't understand. Yeah. He says. I think really we're we're we, we got to work this out. You know. Yeah. And it's very funny. I mean, it's very because it's so real. I think that that's. Uh, it's still a rom com, even though you've got
0: a gun and stuff like that. You know. I actually have a therapist who looks exactly like Alan Arkin. That's, that's no phenomenal, joke. Phenomenal. Which is both you know, hardening and a little bit chilling because it takes me to memories of that and maybe That's he's amazing. just playing a part. That's amazing. But it's a calming presence, you know? Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, there's the, but there are a couple of things like that that I appreciated um, just in terms of a little thing. You know, as, as the violence gets over the top, the, yeah. the other half of it does its half of the bargain, carries its weight. Like One thing I noticed that I appreciated is that your character, Francis, when he gets hit, and he gets hit often, yes. he says, ow.
1: Like, it yeah, hurts. that
0: was important to me because i'm glad you noticed that yeah
1: well especially when tim's got that 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 rod that's what those some some of those tim roth is the 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 antagonist he's the the antagonist yes and he has one of those rods that i think sometimes cops use or military people it's very very painful um if you've ever even been touched by one of those things um and uh Sort of a baton, I guess, but it's metal. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, in my memory, I think superheroes are getting a little too leading men action heroes are getting a little too invincible these days. Yeah. I agree. And I, 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 I go back to Indiana Jones, you know, and Indiana Jones bled, and he, he said, "Ow," And he ran and he was scared, and he was sore, and he was he was yeah, sore there was a toll yeah and he you could see fear in his eyes when he was running from the big ball you yeah. know i mean he was afraid of snakes, and you know he was a human being and he he plugged through but i mean you know it's uh, it, it, it's more interesting to me to see the vulnerabilities in a in an action hero i i i don't i don't find it interesting when you know you're not <laughs> You're not able to get hurt, and this is kind of a this character is kind of a superhero, Mr. Wright. Yes, I mean they have he has a matrix sort of ability to see stuff before it happens to, to grab knives out of the air. To, yeah, and yeah. so does Anna, and so, um, you know, it is a bit of a, a superhero character, and yet it's 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 still. I, I we 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 talked about that a lot. We wanted him to be you know. Human, yeah. So
0: you can relate to yeah, something going on here. Yeah, you know, um, neurotic and also able to bleed. You know. It's nice that he can do both. Yeah. If you're going to be throwing that many knives, you're going to get cut at some. You're going to get cut at some point. The at some odds point. Are yeah. Not in your favor. It makes you tougher, actually, getting cut that
1: much. I think if you if
0: you if you say ow and you keep going and you get cut, you get you're bleeding. I yeah. Think it, that was actually the remarkable thing about it is that he certainly doesn't give up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There are. Um, in general, I'm I, I'm curious about this in an actor's life, like yeah. the things that get you to to commit to parts because you get scripts, you have op, you have choices, you, yeah. you look at things, and and I was thinking about this because for you, you know, for us, it's well, did he like the movie that he wanted to be in? Because we just see the finished product. For you, it's time out of your life and time out of your career, yeah. and yeah. and so I was trying to I was just trying to think using this movie as an example, but you know, we could talk about other movies. <laughs> yeah, how do you break it down? Like, do you do, do you look at this and you're like, well, you know. Four, five, six weeks in New Orleans with the Rizza, that seems like fun. Like, I would say yes to that. And then it's like, well, you and seeing the things that you and Tim Roth would have to do in the pouring rain to each other. And it's like, you guys are not, you're not old by any stretch, but you guys are not, yeah, we're you know, not puppies. You're not 20 year olds. And, yeah. And it's pouring rain on stone steps. <laughs> yeah. That, that takes a toll on, on, on Sam, not the character. Yeah. No, that, you definitely think about that stuff. I mean, I, I,
1: I turned down a Western, I've done two Westerns and I, it was a low budget film and i you know because i know i've done westerns and they're not easy to make and so this is a low budget action movie so you know you're 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 thinking about that and and uh, i'd never done a, a fight scene in the rain with a rain machine yeah i'd been in rain machines and i don't know if i'd really looked at the script carefully
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay i got you
1: there. i think it was nighttime <laughs> originally thank god we changed that um it would have been freezing. it was already cold uh it's the, the rain machines, no matter how warm it is outside yeah you you get very very cold um it's hard to describe <laughs> but it's it uh, that 's a lot of time under a rain machine and um it 's just a lot f- of time to be wet i mean it 's a long time that. to be wet you you start getting like sh- you start shivering and uh it's interesting uh you, you realize what <laughs> <it> bothers you. <laughs> I am not good with the cold, you know. So uh, yeah, we just uh It's like the, the the south the the North Pole expedition movies should not be sent your yeah, way. Yeah, I don't know if that would be my thing, but <laughs> but you know, I love the fight scenes. That was really fun. I was really into that. I I love doing the fight scenes, but and you know, Tim did that amazing sword fight on Rob Roy, so he's no stranger. Right. To choreography like that. And, but that um, was like twenty years ago, I'm just saying. That was <laughs> twenty years ago and I And he I, looks
0: great. I'm not- I don't mean to cast yeah, aspersions. I'm just No, saying. and
1: I'm not some kid either. You know, I've got some aches and pains. But uh and Tim and I were definitely bumping each other a little bit in that. But um we didn't have enough, we didn't have a lot of time to choreograph and the money like you'd have yeah. on a Mission Impossible. We have had a week and a half, which you normally Five, six fights you'd have months to choreograph yeah. you know for something like that, and so, yeah, but I think you just you you realize it's a good part, and I can do this, and you you're getting Anna Kendrick and Tim Roth and Ri and all these people and you're and um uh, you're you're saying, okay, well i I know how to do this, I've done this enough times mm-hmm. um the the thirty day shoots are tough, that's what it was. This was longer than okay. that, a little longer, not much longer, but the but the twenty nine day thirty I think I might be done with those i don't know, but you know, so like a mu- you know four to five weeks can be tough, but if you get seven weeks, eight weeks you're you're okay, you know you can
0: figure it out because you feel like you have time to get the work, you need to come yeah to the level you need to get it, you get comfortable
1: yeah, I think it's hard to make a movie in twenty nine days a good movie it, it's done, i've done it, yeah. I've done. I did. We did Moon in thirty-three days. Oh, that's uh, I did Choke in twenty-nine, thirty days. But you know, it's tough. It's tough when you got a lot of locations, or you got a lot of costumes, a lot of cast members, and logistics. It, it, it's tough. And then if you're like fighting traffic, going to New
0: Jersey, or you're going, and that you're in the mountains, if you're already yeah. going, if you're going to New Jersey, you already forget about forget it. Forget about it's... it, dude. Um, you know, I was thinking though, like the. You mentioned Moon. I was going to mention it. The, the movies that I, I really that stand out to me, the movies that I really loved your performances the most in, I think about Moon or Assassination of Jesse Thanks. James, um, Matchstick Men, Thanks. Galaxy Quest. All these movies, if you just look at them, they, they don't have very much in common on paper other than yeah. maybe your presence on the yeah. MDB page. But I was thinking about them in the larger sc- scope of Hollywood and where Hollywood movies have gone, and they all yeah. kind of feel like miracles that they happened. <laughs> like these, None of those movies are yeah. movies that you greenlight being like, our Christmas bonuses are paid for yeah. on any end of them. They all just seem like these happy, lucky accidents, convergence of things that, you know, you, you yeah. didn't know necessarily going in that they would be what they turned into. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think about that in general about the business, but, you know, often actors have the least control over these things because you go in, you do your yeah. best, and then you don't see what people do with it. Um, yeah. How do you gauge this? I mean, when you made those movies, do you, is there a vibe that you've learned to... to To recognize as this is a good vibe or or is there something more zen about letting go of that need to control and you just do what you can do with your work and then cross your fingers and you're, you know, you're in a van to New Jersey by the time it comes out. (laughs) Hopefully not the Meadowlands, but, you know, to a film set.
1: Yeah, I think you just try to work with good filmmakers and and you try to do good parts and and you really don't have a lot of control. Um, You know, um, in the case of Jesse James, I was very conflicted about that because we all... Including Jeremy Renner, we all auditioned for Casey's part. We mm-hmm. all wanted to play bob ford and so I actually turned that movie down quite a few times and um, um <laughs> never told the story on 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 the radio, but Brad Pitt showed up at my house uh a lot- a lot like the character Jesse James and um he convinced me to do the movie but um it it's uh it was a it was a good move because I think I made a lot of friends, but I also it turned out to be I think one of the best Westerns, you know, best ten Westerns in in, in I don't know, forty years or something. I think it's a very good I think it's up there, you know. Oh, I think it's a masterpiece. I think it's, it's a great movie. it's a great film, you know, and so um you know
0: uh, that's that's uh, that's something you know and then I think I don't know I if make, is, yeah. is Brad Pitt a hard sell or a soft touch when he comes to your house to personally lobby you he was
1: you? a soft touch he was very he was beautiful he was very he, he is very, beautiful he's a beautiful man <laughs> and um, he had a baby a, on his shoulder like a stunt he,
0: baby or a real one he
1: had a real baby who's now f- I guess full grown now okay. but um, and uh, he yes he, but you know uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, this This is just th- – these kind of things probably wouldn't be made now. Matchstick men wouldn't be, be made right. for the kind of money it was made for. It would be made – it would be on cable or moon. I don't even know if moon – I don't
0: know. I don't know how they – you know, I think a lot of this stuff would be on cable now. Yeah, it's you know? it's, it's changed so much. yeah. Yeah, and and you see, you know, people are reacting to those changes in, in different ways, and and you know, it, it made me think of uh, obviously one of the, the the one thing that some actors can do is you know you find one reliable gig, yeah, um, you know, you get a franchise gig, and then you you do your other work on the side, and if it ends up being a small cable thing, then you do that because you have the bigger thing yeah. defining your 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 income level, but also your schedule, um, and you you put a toe in those waters with Iron Man two. Yeah. Um, is there a part of you that finds that world at all appealing? Like, the fact that those guys, f- some phenomenal actors. I mean, you mentioned Jeremy Renner. Um, yeah. He's just one of many now who basically have once or twice a year summer camp. They go to Atlanta. They put on Lycra. They punch each other. They don't say <laughs> ow. And they make fun movies. And then they go do their- Jeremy's, Jeremy's got
1: like four franchises,
0: I think. Well, he's the friend. Yeah. <laughs> that I yeah, or three, at least three franchises. I'd like to do a whole other podcast about that. I find yeah. that amazing. But, yeah. um, you know, and they do that and they and they do their other work. And is that, that breakdown of a career appealing to you at all? Or did you feel like you had your taste of it and that was enough? I think that it's, no, I mean, I, I
1: did a remake of Poltergeist. So I'm, I'm my career is very eclectic. I, I think that you just, you go to work and you try to find stuff that appeals to you, um, you know, I didn't want to do Galaxy Quest. You know, I I didn't want to do that job because the guy was a coward and I was I didn't want to play a coward and then that turned out to be an amazing film, but um you know, you just try to do different stuff. I think you're just trying to sh- you know, change it up and, and and do different stuff and and so um Iron Man 2 was actually really fun to do. It was actually strangely um actor-friendly, that film, because yeah. of Justin Thoreau who wrote it, and John Favreau. Yeah, they, have, uh, they have some history
0: in front of the camera.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, and Fav was really, he, he had a very, it was a very relaxed set, and, and Mickey Rourke and I really um, had a good thing. We had a good thing, and we, he, you know, it was a lot like um, Gene Wilder and Peter Boyle and Young Frankenstein, you know. I I was the talker and he was the the, the, muscle. the the muscle. And so, or Lex Luthor and Terrence Stamp in Superman 2. It was like, you know, we were a perfect comedy team. Yeah. You know? So uh, he would speak Russian and grunt and I would be the fast-talking salesman. And you, you got know? to wear a nice suit and he was shirtless with yeah. exoskeleton on. It was the perfect comic <laughs> team. And I think Fabro knew that. He instinctively and Thoreau knew that and so they wrote us this great material and um, a few times we had to write speeches on the fly and I had to use an earwig and all this stuff but that was really fun to do uh, I think that the, where you get into trouble is where you when you have too much time on your hands and you're on, you're in a location where you got to you don't have you don't have a lot
0: of acting to do, and that's stuff that I try to avoid. Right, you're you're going to be there for six months. When they need you, they need yeah. you. And When they need you, you might be you know moving an elbow in front of a green screen for five minutes. Then yes. You go back, right? Yes. Like that that can that can go bad. Yeah. Fast. You're just not engaged at that point. Yeah. You know that can be that can be bad news. You know. Is it true? I read this, uh, which means <clears> I read <throat> this online, which means it's almost definitely not true. But I have to ask. There was that. Grab the, some water. Oh sure, of course. Thanks. Thanks. That, Favreau, that Favreau had talked to you about doing Iron Man as Iron Man initially? Is that yeah, right? I got a call, and, and then I never heard back about it. But I, I, uh,
1: Peter Billingsley and, and John Favreau called me, uh, just said, hey, would you be interested in this? We're doing this movie. And uh, and I said, yeah, sure, and we talked about it. And then I never heard anything, and then I think Robert Downey screen tested. And that was that. But uh, I think maybe that was the seed for, for Justin Hammer because when we uh, did um, – uh, John and I were doing – we'd done Made Together, but we, we were doing
0: G-Force, mm-hmm. this guinea pig CGI movie. You don't have to explain it to me. This is <laughs> this is the internet's leading CGI guinea pig-related podcast. <laughs> you know, Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: so uh, I was insisting because I'm, you know, I'm a nerdy actor and I'm like, can I – I was doing it alone. We were doing it alone a lot. Yeah. And I've done some of these this animation stuff. And it's always better when you have – you're with an actor. So I said, can I please, please get an actor in, in the room with me? And they said, okay, well, schedules are hard. You know, they finally, they got Fav in there. And we, Fav, John and I probably did some of the best work we did in the film because we were in the room together. Yeah. We got to even get physical. And it was like, we got to actually do a scene, you know, and it was fun. And so that day, I think he said, I want you to, and I had talked to Thoreau. Thoreau was an old friend of mine from Williamstown Theater days and. And uh, we'd, we'd done repertory theater. And so he he was now this writer and he was going out there. And I think I kidded him, like, hey, write me a part in the thing. And my girlfriend was in the original one. So there's mm-hmm. all these coincidences. And then Favreau said, you know, I want the Marvel guy. Kevin's going to come down when we're doing the G Force. He went, we want to talk to you about something. And so he told me. Did he bring idea. a baby? Huh? Did he bring a baby also? Because <laughs> <laughs> he'd heard. He did not bring a baby. But I was very interested in this, in the idea, even though there was no script. Right. But they were going to do one villain, and then they decided to split it into two villains. And so that's when I think it became kind of like, you know, Gene Hackman and Terrence Stamp right. in Superman 2, where you, you've got the uber alpha, and then you've got the fast talker. And so
0: it was, it was, a, it was an intriguing prospect the thing that that i find really fascinating is that you're able to talk about your career in a way that i think many successful actors are which is with some perspective on the long game you know you're working yeah. with good people you're having yeah. good experiences and then over time it builds into something you know it's a career and yeah and you have you've had good things to look back on but i i feel like that must be incredibly challenging because as an actor it's so much you know yeah. especially when you're starting out but it's so much about the short game it's about you know getting a job um, yeah. what yeah. and what will this job do about the next job and what will it mean? And all these things that are outside of your control. It, yeah. Th- that, it can be very stressful making a decision, but
1: it's also sometimes you just have to go to work. Right. You know, and, and make a living, but it's, but it's, uh, it is stressful and it is your life, you know? And uh, sometimes people don't <laughs> understand <laughs> you're Like, you know, no, this is my life, you know? And so, uh, it's it's yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky sometimes. I'm I, but I love big movies. That's the thing I I, I want. I'll say about Iron Man which is that I loved what John did with the first Iron Man.
0: And oh, me too. Yeah. I really
1: thought it was an amazing
0: superhero film for yeah. adults and and uh, in, in in probably in many ways the most influential movie of the last you know certainly the last ten years because every movie is trying to chase that one. Yeah, I I agree.
1: I agree. I think it really was the uh. Yeah, really, like set the bar really high, and so I was a huge fan of it, and and you know, and I I like I like that stuff. I like the first Avenger film, and I and I um, the first Batman with Keaton and Nicholson, and the X Men movies, but uh, you know, it, I like big movies and I like small movies. I like I like I like it all, and I I, I think we all do, you know, to some extent, we like. I mean, I, I have some friends who are snobby and they just like
0: art films and porn films, but I like everything, you know. I think That's a healthy attitude since, you know, you might have the chance to play in all those sandboxes. Yeah. But, but do, you give, do you give Renner a hard time when you see him about these five <laughs> franchises and about the time he saved the city that was floating in the sky with his bow and arrow? I mean, you got to, right?
1: I, you know, he's, 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 he's living a good life and he's doing his thing, you know, and he's, uh, he's a good, good man. He's a good friend. He always keeps his feet on the ground. He's, uh. He's real. He's still a, a good old cowboy from Modesto. I mean, he's—he's. He's, uh, he'll never change, man. He's the same guy I met in Calgary. You know, he's still flipping houses. He's still he's like still he's flipping still flipping houses. He... By the way,
0: making a lot of money doing I that. No, he doesn't need to act. That's yeah, big. I mean, shit. You know, he's doing just fine. Yeah, I'm not worried about him. Yeah. Just, I think it's amazing. Um, you mentioned small movies. I did want to mention this um, that. A performance that I just loved last year was you in *Digging for Fire*, the the *John hey, movie. Oh, hey man! Which, yeah, which is a really cool movie. I hope people will check fun. it out. That was
1: fun. Yeah, that was fun to do. It was weird. It was a weird experience. That's what I wanted to ask about because yeah. people
0: have seen this movie. I mean, Swanberg shoots in a very almost seventies verite style, right? Yeah. The movie, you find the movie that was real film, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. You shot it on real film. Yeah, it's. It's kind of gently improved um, in terms of dialogue. Is that yes. right? Yes. Oh, very improved. And, yeah.
1: And so you, Ben, uh, who
0: shot the movie, is Anna Kendrick's boyfriend. too. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, yeah. because she had worked with with Joe. She was in. That's right. That she, movie was in she was in. She was had a big it. part in Drinking Buddies and yeah. Happy Christmas. Some of his recent really good movies. You play this character. You show up at the house one night, and yeah. what's so amazing about this is you have relatively little screen time. It's just not a long movie. Um, and you are immediately a guy that everybody knows. I know this guy. <laughs> Everyone has the one friend who's going to show up a little too late and take it a little too far. Yes. Uh, but you can't quit. You can't quit that friend. Yeah. And so I was curious about your way into this because, you know, you go from, you didn't go directly from the Iron Man 2 set, but we're talking about yeah. that kind of filmmaking world to this where they're in a house. It's yeah. rented for a couple of days. You, I don't you tell me how how, how much I, you were told and what you knew before you set foot on the. On well, the set. I really liked Drinking Buddies. Me too. I really liked it,
1: and I was I was intrigued by by Joe and his love of IPAs and beer, and it's um, <laughs> a good being, start. Being a a hop, a hop chaser myself, and uh, so I think I talked to Joe and Jake. Jake is a great guy, Jake Johnson. He's yeah, I love him. I really liked him in the movie. You know where he was. Uh, you know the one with. Duplass, where they're in Audrey Plaza. Oh, uh, safety not guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, I I thought Jake was incredible in that movie. So, I I was like, all right, and we got Chris Messina to do it, and uh, you know, uh, the you know, from the room, you know, uh, the, the, the right, oh Brie. Brie Larson yes. was in it, and we had all these amazing Orlando Bloom, Rosemarie DeWitt. So it was like it was an amazing cast, um, and. You know, uh, they, the character, they, they really, uh, you know, we kind of pitched this uh, <clears throat> kind of Ray Liotta sort of something wild kind of guy or something. I, it was, it was um, yeah, we were, he said, you're going to be this friend and you maybe played baseball together. And um, it was very vague. And then we got more specific about it, you know. And, and it was definitely about being trouble, this guy represented trouble. The, the Yeah, the, the, the potential,
0: the road, the yeah. open door that he might so, not go through.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it appealed to me, even though it was a smaller part, I it I really appealed to me. I thought it, it actually was an important
0: role. It's a, yeah, it's a crucial role for the movie. But I I, I imagine it, I, I wondered if it sort of sparked something in you in that sense, you know, that we've been talking about since we sat down. Yeah. That like we were talking to Chris Walken about finding the play, playing and here's a chance yes. you just you walk on and you're playing again, right? It's That's right. it's, it's kind of no bullshit, no pressure, but you got to
1: Well, the thing with improv that's tricky if you're doing improv is that when you're when you're preparing a script uh, and you want to do drama, you have time to digest the emotional stakes and and mm-hmm. and sort of you know, water that plant, which may turn into emotion. Uh, uh, you know, emotional depth. Like refine it, articulate it. Yeah, better. and so you can kind of like you know sit with it for a while and fantasize about it. But like <clears throat> when you're doing improv, it's really on the fly. So to have emotional stakes can be difficult on the fly. You you can't just like say, oh yeah, okay, your character has cancer or your HIV or something. And it's hard to, you, you're, you have to really have great actors' faith in order mm-hmm. to fall into those imaginary circumstances. So, you know, uh, my thing with improv is that it's difficult. You have to have structured improv because, um, so I was looking to find, you know, dramatic moments. And I think we did at the end, me and Jake. Yeah. Our sort of breakup scene was had a had a moment that I was very happy with um, because sometimes it gets too light. Improv can be too light, and, and it's
0: everybody just being clever. There's a tendency and, to, to make yourself look good and yeah. also to want to stay away from the pit in the middle of the room, right? You don't want to go too deep.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I prefer... I like, you know, Eugene O'Neill and August Wilson and, you know, Arthur Miller. I like high-stakes melodrama. Mm-hmm. You know, I like melodrama, mm-hmm. so um, I don't think things should just be light affair I think they
0: should be deep but you know that, that, otherwise I mean, why bother that's the know? thing I, when I say that Digging for Fire is a small movie I, I only mean in terms of its its budget because yeah. the, that the breakup scene you're talking about and there's a scene with Brie Larson and Jake when yeah. she sort of an entire relationship passes over her face in one take, where she realizes this isn't going to happen. It's very uncomfortable, and it's an amazing yes. emotional um, expression that that they reach in this movie. Yes, know, and, yes. And, and Rosemarie
1: and Sam Elliott, I think, have a oh, great, very, do. very cool moment. I um, Rosemary has some amazing moments in that. Yeah, I, and and that's you really got to be searching for that.
0: Uh, you know, really actively searching for that with an improv movie, I think. Um, you mentioned at the very beginning that, you know, you, you hailed from Bohemia, um, which yeah, I think yeah. in this case is located near San Francisco, right? Yes, um, yes. In, a, in New York in the summer times, yeah. Uh, so you, you come from an artistic background. You've, you have actors in your family, is that correct? My
1: parents were actors and my mom's a painter now. Um, and my father lives in California. He quit and he became a uni- union organizer for the printing union and the, un- the supermarket clerks and stuff. <laughs> and, um... So yeah, he was a real you know Woody Guthrie kind of working man. Don't cross the picket line. So I, he still is. He's a you know he's
0: Bernie. He's, he's a Bernie a big guy. Big Bernie guy. Um, the thing that uh, that I was wondering. This may seem sort of counterintuitive as a question, but I wondered if because you came from a place of of creativity being yeah. prioritized and encouraged, and you've been doing this sort of work for some yeah. time now, did you ever do you ever feel uh, envious of nine to five life? Do you ever? <laughs> Feel. I have a friend who came from a similar world in San Francisco, and he actually, I think, at times found the 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 weight of expectation to be creative almost Uh, suffocating. Yeah, which is not something you normally think about because people are like, "Oh, my dad wants me to be a banker. I would. I wish I could paint or act." Yeah, but I wonder if there's ever if the reverse is ever true. If you ever just kind of want to. Well,
1: you know, I think I think I think people do long for structure if they come from uh, uh, you know crazy childhood or whatever. I think they long for structure. And I like structure, but I also like chaos too. So I like a little bit of both. But um, I don't know about the nine to five. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I, don't like, I like a work day though. I like to go to work, you yeah. know. And our job is more 12 to 14 hour days uh, on a film set. But, and if you're doing theater, that's a very odd schedule. But yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really feast or famine as you're either not working or you're, you're, working, you're working a lot. So Or you're under a rain machine. Yeah, and you're in an a ray machine, so it's a it's a strange life. But you know, I think I took it for granted because it was sort of the family business. Although uh, my my parents they did a lot of theater and they they never did movies or anything. But um, uh, you know, you, you you take it for granted. And then when I studied at William Esper, I think that's when I realized it was more of a real calling or a, a kind mm-hmm. of a I, I always say like Jedi training thing. You know, where you're like, oh, okay. This is something to be taken seriously. This is a this is a real. There's an apprenticeship, and yeah, this is a, real, a craft. Yeah, you know, it's like becoming a journalist or a doctor or like a you know whatever. It's like this is
0: this is something to be taken seriously. Um, I, one thing that that sometimes adds structure to actors' lives is is signing on to do to work on TV. And I was curious. Yeah. I, I do most of my writing about TV. Uh huh. If. You know the explosion of good parts and good writing there. If that's ever been yeah. appealing to you, if, if you well, think yeah. I mean, human- after
1: True Detective, everything kind of changed. Or, or you know, I think the the first True Detective really um, it seemed to sort of that to me was a was a big change. I mean, you know, when when Robert Duvall did Lonesome Dove, I remember that was kind of like, oh wow, you know, yeah, and 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 Tommy Lee Jones. So you know, I was like, oh okay, so you can. You can really do good work. And there's no stigma either. For yeah. People. And I, I think Peaky Blinders and Louie and all these things, you know, and Breaking Bad. I mean, it's it's exploded, you know, uh, Boardwalk Empire. It's exploding. So it's, um, I guess, Sopranos and, you know, Gary Shanling going back to the Larry Sanders show. Yeah. I mean, he really started it all, a, a lot of it. There would be no Curb Your Enthusiasm without no. that,
0: you know. But the whole... The whole language of comedy on TV today comes from that
1: show. Oh yeah, there would be no Louis without Gary mm-hmm. Shandling, I think. And Judd Apatow worked on that, and absolutely, absolutely. So it's uh, Gary started it all, and. um you know, God bless Gary, man. We and we
0: did Iron Man two together. Oh, that's right. I didn't yeah. realize you, that you had crossed paths with him. Yeah, he was a cool guy. Very cool guy. That's the impression I get. The outpouring of just personal love yeah. is so outstripped just the, the professional beautiful. love. It's kind of amazing.
1: Beautiful guy. Yeah, he, his his teacher was Roy London, who was who died, who was a, an amazing acting coach, acting teacher, um, who taught a lot of great, especially women like Sharon Stone mm-hmm. and Gina Davis for Thelma and Louise and. Uh, Uh, Roy London, I remember Gary telling me about Roy London. He was a great acting teacher. But um, anyway, I don't know what we were talking about. Oh, I was just wondering if the TV TV was appealing to you. Yeah, I think that that it is. uh, I think that it would probably... For me, though, it's, you know, I don't go... I'm not good with the line changes, you know? I've done that on movies like Iron Man. I'm not... it's, It's not really... It doesn't.
0: Uh, it's not good for me. I like to prepare, so I, I so you think mean the, you mean the constant change and churn of the. Yeah, script like a the,
1: typical TV structure, I don't think w- would would be would be good for me. I like to prepare, and so I think something like True Detective or or that movie Game Change, mm-hmm. you know, that Woody and and um, Julianne Moore did. I think Ed Harris, you know, where you're, where you have one director, yeah. one script, and you're and you can do it like a movie, mm-hmm. that that appeals to me. Yeah. You know, Lonesome Dove.
0: Lonesome, Lonesome Dove, But well, you just said you don't want to do more Westerns, so...
1: Well, that's not
0: true. Oh. I would do a Western, but what it's got to be a good part. What if you were just a more of a sedentary character in the Western? You never had to get up on the horse? You could just be rocking? No, I
1: don't a, mind getting up on a horse. Uh, and now that I can do the lasso, I would, I'd like to incorporate the lasso. But And I, I love playing with guns. But I as, think I as
0: evidenced in Mr. Wright the film is you go. Tomorrow.
1: See I'm I'm weaving it in. <laughs> there you go. But I think I'd have to play a different archetype uh like a Shane, you know, kind of archetype uh in a western. I think I've done the Jimmy Stewart character
0: and the uh and you know, I need to do the Steve McQueen character. I I love the I love the idea of just as you go through your career who's you know, you, people think you've collected these these films. You have this filmography, but I'd like to see the the list of skills that grows in weird directions because you know you're saying yeah. oh well, now I know how to work a lasso yeah I've, I've, that has never I've never heard that sentence that's never yes, come up yes. in my life. Well, we did this play Fool
1: for Love and and, right. and and I had to learn the lasso yeah oh, we didn't even
0: talk about Fool for Love. It's All spent right, a I, year yeah. learning that lasso that was fun. You got to yeah. For shepherd is pretty demanding. That's Very be, demanding. That's a precise yeah. language. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Um, I should let you go. This has been a great conversation. Thanks for Dude, taking the so, time Dude, so great. To talk Thank you so much, man. I, and people will be even more impressed when they find out the 45 minutes of Meisner back and forth that we cut
1: <laughs> from the first part of the interview.
0: That, I think that's podcast gold, but maybe well, that's Well, like
1: I started crying, and you were yelling at me. I just think we, we should—I don't think anybody wants to hear about that. No, I think the activity it's I too chose painful. was
0: a little odd also for such a small <laughs> enclosed space, so we'll keep that. Um, anyways, Who so does I, that with a violin? I, well, I didn't know I could do it with a bow. I knew I, I could mean, do it with a string. Uh, Sam thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and uh, best of luck with everything thanks man thanks a lot